for us to consider this morning is, is um, what is it that you love most? And I, I want you to answer that before you think, and I, I want you to be real careful that you don't quickly say what you know you're supposed to say. But I want us to be completely honest with ourselves this morning. Amen? Amen. I want us to be able to investigate our hearts and to really look deep to see what it is that we truly love the most. And that's the question I want you to keep in the back of your mind as we open our Bibles together to the 21st chapter of the book of John. If you're already there, uh, we appreciate you turning. If you don't have your Bible with you, we've got it on the screen for you just in case. If you got a Bible, open it. Right? Amen. If you got a Bible, use it. Uh, it's, it's good to have the Bible open in your hand. John 21, verse 1, it says this, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. And let me just quickly give you the backstory. When it says, after these things, what the these things are, these things is referring to Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and it's referring to the discovery of the empty tomb. And then the Lord appeared to his disciples once, and then he appeared to them again with Thomas a second time, eight days after that. And so this is the third appearance. And we don't know how many days had passed since the last appearance with the disciples and Thomas. We're not sure. But this is the third time that Jesus is going to show himself to the disciples after the resurrection. And this time it's different. So let's read together in what it says in John 21. We're going to read 19 verses together. It says, After these things... Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel um, of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have ye any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish of which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. 
He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Amen. Amen. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this section of scripture, God. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives, God. We thank you for our church, our church family. For those that have came this way today to visit with us and be with us, Lord, we're grateful. We pray, God, that as we hear the word that will open our ears, that we might hear what the Spirit says to the church. We pray that we'll open our hearts, that we might receive it on good ground, Lord. That the ground would be tilled up and, and ready, God, to receive the good seed, God, and that we could grow thereby, Lord. We thank you, God, for the word. We thank you for the spirit that we feel this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand again for the health to do it. We thank you, God, for everything, God. Everything. Lord, for the breath that we're breathing, Lord. Amen. We thank you, God. For the strength to, to stand, for the strength to raise our hands, for the voices to say amen with. Amen. We thank you for it all this morning, God. Help us, God, as we look at this scripture to be encouraged and challenged and, 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 and to be, uh, God, just... just Draw closer to you, Lord. Help us to want to get closer, God, I pray. Help us to see the things you want us to see in ourselves, to see the things you want us to see in the Word, and to see the things that you want us to see about you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Four things that I hope I can bring out of the Scripture to you today that the Lord seemed to give to me. Is, I'll tell you the four things up front. First, I want you to see the faithful love that Christ has for us. The second thing I want you to see is the call to work for the Lord that's in this scripture. The third is I want us to be able to answer the question that Jesus asked, do you love me? And lastly, I want us to hear this invitation that the Lord gives. And so let's just jump right into those thoughts this morning. And first, let's look at the love that Christ has for us as we see it in the scripture. And you guys all know the story of Peter. If you don't know, we'll, we'll recap it for you there at the end uh, of, of Matthew um, they were gathered together the disciples and Christ was to celebrate the feast of Passover this was what we call now the last supper and they were gathered together and Jesus announces while he's at the table he announces that one of them will betray him and because of that and because of what was getting ready to happen to him he said that all would be made to stumble but but Peter said this to Jesus in Matthew 26, 33. He said, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. But Jesus said to him, This very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. But Peter was so confident and so sure of the love that he had for Christ, he said this in verse 35. He said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. 
And so said all the disciples. But sure enough, when we get to the, uh, uh, just a chapter later, we see that Peter's boldness in the profession of his great love was not able to withstand the test that was coming. When confronted as a follower and as a potential disciple of Jesus, for fear of losing his own life, Peter denied the Lord three times. While, while Jesus was in the process of suffering and giving his life, while he was taking on himself the sins of the world, while he was bearing my guilt and shame, in the most difficult hour of his tribulation, Peter denied that he even knew him. Be careful when you think you stand. Lest you follow. Amen. But in John 21, when we get to this section of Scripture, Jesus has suffered on our behalf and now He's been resurrected from the dead. And what do we see? Do we see vengeance? Do we see anger? Do we see condemnation? Do we see Christ rejecting Peter, making an example out of Peter? Do we see punishment? No, what we see in the Scripture this morning is the steadfast, faithful love of a merciful Savior. Amen. We see the grace of God in action. We see a Savior who comes to them, who loves them, and is still willing to serve them. They've been out fishing all night. And listen, some people say that Peter uh, shouldn't have even went out fishing. But I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think Peter was doing something wrong. I, 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 don't, I think Peter probably would have done uh, just what we would have done. He knew that Christ was resurrected. Uh, but he didn't know what to do. So they were just waiting. And they were unsure of the next steps. And so... Peter does what anybody would do. He went out to try to provide some food for him and the disciples. Christ was risen and Peter knew it. But they still had to eat. Amen? Amen. And so Peter went fishing. Because that's what he knew how to do. But while Peter was fishing... We look and we can see that the resurrected Savior, we can see that Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of all glory, was standing on the shore of the sea and He had built a fire and had made bread and, and fish and was cooking them over the fire. And He said, He called out to them, He said, Children, do you have any meat? 1 John 3 and 1 Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Amen? This, this, uh, this account should remind us of the love that God has for His children. It should remind us of His mercy and grace, what a blessing it is this morning to be called a child of God. Amen. That God would adopt us into His family and call us His children. We think about Romans 8, 14 through 17 when He says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
For you do not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Amen? To those that's been born again, those that are led by the Spirit of God, it's such a comforting thought to know that even in our failures, even when we mess it up, even when we aren't faithful to Him, like Peter was not faithful, He remains faithful to us. He does not deny Himself. He loves us with an everlasting love. He sealed us with the seal of promise. We are His and we're loved by Him. And brethren, the Scripture declares that that love that He has for us, nothing can separate us from it. Nothing, not death, not life, not principalities, not powers, nor things present or anything to come. Nothing can separate us from His love. And that's what we see right here. We see a loving Savior coming to His disciples. Even though Peter had denied Him three times, even though Peter lied to His face, even though Peter said, I'll die with you, there's no way I would never stumble. And listen, we see a loving Savior who comes to a broken fisherman who couldn't keep His word to come to Him and He fixes Him breakfast on the shore while He fishes. You've got to love God. You've got to see this love that He has for us. What, love, what patience, what, what mercy that God has for His people. Amen. And this, this is just a side note for us. As I was thinking about this, I thought, I wonder sometimes, how do we react when people hurt us? Do we just write them off or do we find opportunities to serve them and love them? And, and do we forgive them? Do we follow the example of the love that Christ has that it's on display right here in front of us? Or do we hoard ourselves up in the old coat of pride and, and stand strong and say, well, if they want to treat me that way, then I'll treat them this way. Colossians 3, 14 and 15 says, but above all things, this is written to believers, put on love. It's the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Amen. We know the scripture in 1 John chapter 4, right? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Amen? Amen. And this commandment we have from Him, listen to this, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Amen. Must. We see the faithful love of God on display. But then I want you to see the next thing. I want you to see the call to work for the Lord that's pictured here. We said earlier that the disciples were not doing some 
terrible thing. I've heard it preached, and, and, and I understand the context of it as well, that Peter went back to the world. See, he went back to doing the things that he knew to do. But I don't think that was, after looking at it and studying, I don't think that was Peter's heart. I, I think Peter was just trying to go fishing to provide some food. He wasn't sure what to do. He was waiting. So much had happened, and, and he just didn't know when Christ would appear again and what the next thing would be. Their faith was alive. They'd seen the resurrected Christ, uh, but they just didn't know what they should be doing. And at this moment when Peter decides, okay, while we wait, I'll go fishing, Jesus picked this time to appear to them. It's not by coincidence. This had meaning. This moment had meaning. He was going to use this moment as a reminder, as a picture uh, to them of what they were really called to do. <laughs> Look with me in Luke chapter 5. I want to show you this in Luke chapter 5. This is what it says. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And, so, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Probably the same one they're on in this little story right here. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, it's your word. I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And, and they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Amen? This is a, there's a reason why... Jesus picked this moment for the third time. From the very beginning when he called Simon, he had a purpose for him. And they were called to do this work for the kingdom of God. And that's what this whole appearance was about. He was reminding them that they were called to be fishers of men. I believe Jesus was showing them something when he did this. I don't believe it was by coincidence that they told all night and caught nothing. I, I, I believe it was, a, it was a matter of the sovereignty of God who didn't let one fish swim into the net. And I believe they caught not one fish, not one thing. But they, he was reminding them that if you will trust me, if you will do what I say to do, then I will give you a harvest that you couldn't even imagine. I'll use you in ways you would never know. They fished all night in their own strength. They caught nothing. But when the Lord showed up and they followed what he said to do, they brought in a catch that should have broke the net. Amen. 153 fish 
And this was all symbolic of the work that was yet in front of them to do. And they would need His presence to do that work. They would need His instruction to do this work. They would need His help, His guidance. And if they had Him with them, they would accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. They would see many souls saved when they just obeyed His commands. Amen? And what do we find later on in the book of Acts, long after Christ has ascended into heaven? And, and they gather together in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes just as Christ told them it would and Peter goes outside and begins to preach and 5,000 men give their hearts to the Lord. They surrender their lives. I like what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said this. He said, Christ's presence, if He would but come among us in the fullness of His strength, it would do so much more for us than anything that we've ever seen. Yet that we should be as much astounded by the increase as the apostles were by the two great droughts of fish. Christ had but to will it, and the fish came swimming into the net. And he has but to will it, and souls will be converted by millions to himself through the gospel. Amen? They fished all night. I like another thing Spurgeon said. I'm going to give you one more Spurgeon quote. And you listen close, because now we're talking about us. He said, He does not often come to bless idlers. He acts sovereignly, as I have said, but He generally gives His blessings to those churches that do the most for Him. I want you to see this, church. If you want to lay up treasures in heaven, you've got to get to fishing. Amen? Yeah. Not on your own. But with the Spirit's help, church, we're not called to sit around and do nothing. We're called to labor for the Lord, to work for the Lord while we can, to serve Him and to accomplish not some, but all that we can do for Him. We're called to, to labor in this life, to pour our lives into serving Christ, into the work of the kingdom of God. And we do this because we believe that this life that we're living now as good as it can be at times, is but just a moment. It's temporary. But we've been given eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we don't think much of this life when we truly believe in eternity because we see it in comparison to eternity. If you're looking at this life and you think, the measure of what your life is consists of the 70 or 80 years you'll make it. You're very short-sighted this morning, friend. This life will go on and on and on and on. Now, it won't be just like this, uh, uh, but one day soon, uh, you're going to die. You're going to give this up. Your body will go away. But your soul that God breathed into you uh, uh, will live forever. It will live on forever. It will not. It will go back to be with the Lord who gave it. Now in that moment, friend, uh, uh, when you die and you go before the Lord, in that moment, uh, your eternity is sealed. Sealed. You will either spend your eternity in the heavens uh, uh, with Christ. You'll spend it with God. Uh, you'll be an inheritor of the new earth. Uh, and the only way you can do that is if you have trusted in faith and believed in Jesus Christ. Amen. Or you will spend your eternity in eternal torment 
For you rejected God's salvation. You rejected His Son. You rejected the Christ. And you will perish. And you will not die in that hell. You'll die every day over and over and over. And it will never end. And we work and labor for the Lord because we believe those things to be true. And I would challenge you this morning to say, if you don't labor for the Lord, then you don't really believe those things are true. No matter what you tell yourself, no matter what you tell your spouse, no matter what you uh, tell your neighbor, if you believe those things are true, you work for the Lord. You give your life to this thing because if you don't give your life for it, you don't have it. You don't have it. So we're willing to lose our life for the sake of Christ. We're willing to lay it all down and make our life about Him and let Him use us for His glory. We give our lives to so many things. We give our lives to our careers. We give our lives to our hobbies. We give our lives to our possessions. But the call goes forth this morning to all that will believe upon the name of the Lord. Come and be fishers of men. Come. Be fishers of men. Lay up treasure in heaven. Believe. And believe it enough to give up this world and work in the fields of the world to bring in the harvest of souls because this life will soon be over. And only what you've done for the Lord will last. If we believed it, it would change everything. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Hebrews 6 and 10, I like this one. He says, God is not unjust to forget your work and the labor of love which you have shown towards His name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is not unjust to forget your work. What you do for the Lord, He's going to remember. Amen? Second Timothy 2.15 He says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A worker. The harvest is ripe, isn't it? But the laborers are few. We need more workers in the fields. We need more people willing to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel. We need to pray to the Lord of the harvest. This is what Jesus said. He said, therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest that He'd send more laborers into the fields. And you know why I believe the Lord wanted us to pray that? So that our hearts would be changed and we would become the laborers that we're praying for. It's not the time, brethren, to be sluggish. It's not the time to sit back and, 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 and wonder and think, well, you know, eventually I'm going to do this work for the Lord or I'm going to do that for the, this work for the Lord or that work for the Lord. You don't know. 
There's a whole lot of people that spent their whole life thinking they're going to do some great work for the Lord at the end, and the end came long before they thought it was going to be. You better use it now. You better work while it's day. Night's coming, and no man could work. That's what the Scripture says. You better lay up treasures now, right now. We need to be able to stretch ourselves for the sake of the gospel. We need to do what's necessary. And I wonder this morning, are we willing? Are we willing to labor for the Lord? Are we willing to let Him come and tell us where to cast our nets? Would we be willing to humble ourselves down this morning and, and, and listen to His direction, even if it's not the direction that we wanted to go? Even if it disrupts our comfortable life. Even if it's hard. Would we trust Him by faith? Would we listen to His voice? Would we follow His ways? That's what they did when He said, Children, have you any meat? And they said, Nope. He said, Well, take your net and throw it on the other side and you'll get a, you'll get a catch. It doesn't make logical sense, does it? If the fish were swimming right there, they'd be swimming on the other side too. But they were willing and when they did what he said, God did what he said. Amen. Our faith needs to go beyond our words. And it needs to take root in our life. We should believe what he says in his word. He says, do not worry about your life. What you would eat or what you would drink or what you would wear. Your life is more than these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Amen. It may mean your life gets flipped upside down. But the question is this morning, do you trust him enough to let him flip it upside down? Do you trust him? Now let me ask you this. What do you love the most? See, if your heart's desire is to get your life to that place that we just talked about, that place where you trust God by faith, where you're not worrying about your life, but you're putting it in His hands, that place where you're willing to labor to glorify His name, where you are laying up treasures in heaven, then you have to answer the question uh, that I asked you in the beginning, which is, what is it that you love most? Jesus loved Peter. We've seen that already. There's no doubt about that. But now Jesus asked Peter this question, Peter, do you love me more than these? This is a question that deep down a lot of us want to avoid. We would like to move quickly away from this question, but Jesus didn't just ask Peter once. He asked it three times. Amen? There was no ignoring it. There was no brushing it off. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? I believe this is the question the Lord is asking us this morning. We know the Lord loves us. We've seen from this scripture His faithfulness. We've seen His mercy. We've seen His grace. We've seen how He calls us to labor. But now the focus shifts for a moment and the question is to us, what do we love the most? And to answer that question, 
You have to be willing to look at your life seriously. To really examine some things. We have to be willing to examine our choices. Amen? Our decisions. Our priorities. The things that we care about. The things that we think about. The things that we focus on. The way that we use our time. The way that we use our resources. The way that we use our money. We have to examine these things. We have to be willing to really examine where our heart really is. And listen this morning, if you start to examine those things, if your heart's divided this morning, I want you to know that you're not where you should be with the Lord. Think back in the Old Testament how Israel struggled with idolatry. They wanted to worship God. They wanted God's blessings, but they wanted other gods as well. They wanted the blessings of God and the pleasures of Baal. They wanted both. Church, if your heart's stuck somewhere between the world and God, you need to let the world go and surrender to Christ. You cannot serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other. And the first and greatest commandment is that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart. All of it. All of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Christ has to be the love of your life. It, listen, not of your spouse's life. Not of some of your life. He has to be the thing you love the most. More than anything else. As a matter of fact, not just what you love, but you, Christ needs to be your life. Scripture says my life is hid in Christ. In Colossians 3, 4, he says when Christ who is our life appears. Look at that. Who is our life? Is he your life? <coughs> is he the thing that you care the most about? Is your heart fully set on serving him, on loving him, on following him? Is he the priority? Is the focus of your life Christ? Do you wake up and think, what can I do for Christ today? What is it? How can I serve this God today? How can I, how can I show Him how much I love Him? You say, nobody is that way. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Is that not many are living that way today? Do you love Him more than anything else? I'm asking that genuinely this morning. Do you love Him more than getting attention on social media? Do you love Him more than your television? Do, 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 do you love Him more than your hobbies? Do you love Him more than, than fishing and hunting? Do you love Him more than shopping? Do you love Him more than sports? Do you love Him more than your career? Do you love Him more than money? Do you love Him more than pleasure? Do you love Him more than your husband or wife? Do you love Him more than your children? Do you love Him more than your mom or dad? Do you love Him more than anything? And we, we, we want to quickly answer these questions. And we just want to say, oh yes, I love the Lord more than anything else. But I'm challenging you this morning to weigh that answer against the actions of your life. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love the Lord with all my heart. But I'll go days without reading His Word. I'll go weeks without reading His Word, without praying. 
And I'll spend time watching TV and on social media, but I love the Lord more than anything else. The evidence speaks against you, friend. Oh, I love the Lord more than anything else. But I'll forsake the assembling together with the saints for worship and prayer for just about any other thing I want to. I love the Lord more than anything else. But now, if my spouse or my kids uh, ask me to lie for them, I will. I love the Lord more than anything else. But I'm not willing to give up my job for my faith. I love the Lord more than anything else. But I'm not going to give up this pleasure, even if it is a sin. You see, the evidence of our life bears witness to the truth of our hearts. It doesn't matter what we say here. What matters is the evidence that comes out of here. Do you love me more than these? What a question this morning for us to think about. You know, ultimately, what he tells Peter in this scripture he tells him, you're going to have to love me more than these because it's your own life that you're going to lose. You see, he said, Peter, take care of my sheep. Tend the flock. Feed them. And ultimately, Peter, one day, you're going to have to give your life for my name's sake. You may be thinking to yourself, well, that's not going to be me. God doesn't ask that of us anymore. Matthew chapter 16 says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Amen? Amen. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Amen. What about Luke 14, 33? Clear and easy to understand. So likewise, whoever of you that does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Are you willing to give up your life for Christ? Do you love him that much? Are you willing to forsake the world, to die to the world, to live for Christ no matter the cost, no matter the call, no matter where he tells you to drop your net? Are you willing? If you can't answer yes, then you need to get your heart where it needs to be with the Lord. And then there's this invitation that he gives. And I'm finishing up. I'm trying to. In John 21, verse 19, I go back to it. It says, This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God, talking to Peter. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Hey, you're going to have to give your life. Hey, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to all the way down to the fact that one day somebody will bind your hands and lead you to a place you would not go. But follow me. And there's our invitation, church. Give it all up and follow me. See, Peter recognized those words because he heard them back when he was first called. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. 
That's the invitation to all of us today. It's the invitation to a new life. It's not the same life plus Jesus. It's a new life, a radically transformed life with a new purpose, new meaning, new focus, new desires. The Bible says, Behold, all things become new. It's an invitation to follow Jesus, to separate from the world, and to be completely His, to walk the narrow path that leads to life. And I'm telling you this morning that He is the only way. Amen. He's the truth. He's the life. Nobody comes to the Father unless they come through Him. Amen. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you would just recognize today that you're a sinner, I was a sinner. We're all sinners. Amen. If you could recognize what the Lord showed me one day, which is that I'm a sinner and I can't do anything about it. I need a Savior. Then you can be born again, but you have to trust in the finished work of Christ for salvation. You have to believe in His name. Christ was crucified for sin. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He took our sins and gave us His righteousness. He defeated death and He conquered the grave and He's risen and He's alive forevermore. And He's an all-sufficient, all-powerful, sovereign, loving Savior who has His arms spread out with mercy for you today to all who would hear His voice. And if you hear His voice today, harden not your heart. And I know that you're probably ready for me to stop, but I need to finish. In Revelation chapter 2, church, I'm speaking to you. We read of a church that was doing some good works, but they had a problem with their heart. They left their first love. They didn't lose their first love. They left it. That means they laid it down and walked away from it. They were still working, but they weren't working out of the love for Christ. The, the scripture there in Revelation said, Remember from whence thou art fallen. They had fallen. I believe their hearts had become divided. I believe the same thing about the church at Laodicea. Well, in Revelation chapter 3 when it said, uh, I would that you were cold or hot, but you're lukewarm. Their hearts were divided. And if you're in here this morning and you're a professing Christian and your heart is divided, this altar is the place for you this morning. Because you've got to confess that sin of a divided heart to God. And you've got, got to come and receive His mercy and commit to following Him. He's asking you this morning. All of you that's in here, every, every ear that can hear, he's asking you, do you love me? Mm -hmm. If you're lost, the question is, do you love me? Do you love me? Will you come? I died for you. I've risen again. I offer you forgiveness if you'll just come by faith and believe in me. Do you love me? Or do you love your sin more? If you choose your sin... Where He is, you cannot come. Those that die in their sins cannot go to be with the Lord. That's what He said. To the church, He calls out and He asks you the same question. He says, do you love me more than these? 
Is your heart divided? Is it split between the world and God? Are you all in for Christ or just some in? Are you in the, let me ask you a different way. Are you in the shallow end of the pool? Or are you willing to get in the deep end? Are you willing to go to a place where your feet can't touch the bottom? Amen. Are you willing to get into a place with the Lord where you're all in? Where you forsake everything else and you say, I count it all as dumb, as nothing, worthless. For the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord. And serving Him. I'll give it all up. Anything the Lord wants me to give. And listen, if you're not at a place and you're a professing Christian and you're not at a place where you can say that, you need to get your heart right. You're not right with God. I know it sounds rude. I know it sounds mean. I know it sounds like I'm, I'm some, you know, like, like it can't possibly happen, but I'm telling you it can. I'm telling you, you can surrender your life and live it for God to the fullest. And you better do it while there's time. Amen. You better do it while there's time. Time could be swiftly running out. While we might leave this church and walk out that door and turn on the radio in the car and hear that a nuclear bomb has went off in Ukraine and nuclear war and missiles are flying everywhere and you might be meeting the Lord by the end of the night tonight. Amen. What will you say? What will you say? Well, Lord, I was just too busy. Lord, you know I was just too tired. Lord, I was just scared. Let go of it. Let go of it. Yeah. Don't try to hold on to the world and hold on to Christ. Let go of it and follow me. Follow Him. Go where He goes. Do what He says to do. If it makes you radically different from everybody else, then just be different. And just be different. It's fine to be different. If it means that you don't have a big home like the neighbor, that's fine. You don't need it. If it means that you don't drive the finest car, that's okay. It's okay. You don't have to have all the things that the world offers to have joy and to have peace and to have happiness. There's a source that you can drink from uh, where those things will never dry up. It's Christ. You've got, if you will drink from that well, friend, He said... This is the well. He said, I would give you water, and if you would drink this water, you would never thirst again. The reason why we thirst sometimes is because we're not drinking the water. Listen to me today. Drink the water that comes from Christ. Drink it's the same water that flew uh, from the rock all the way back in the Old Testament. Uh, Drink the water. Drink it. And let go of the world. Stop chasing it around. Stop trying to be like it. Stop trying to look like it. And stop trying to impress it. Instead, focus your life on the one thing that matters. Christ and Him crucified. You say, well, you don't even want me to love my family. No, love your family and make them serve Christ with you. You've got young children. Uh, I always think one time years ago, uh, a buddy of mine called me. He was tore all the pieces. And he said, I just drove through Bristol And he said, uh, I'm so convicted. He said, there was a man. He was standing on the street preaching his guts out. And he said he was preaching with all that he had. And he said on either side of him, he had a five-year-old little girl or maybe looks around five and another uh, maybe eight or nine-year-old boy on this side. And they were holding up signs that said, repent and believe. You say, you say, I don't want to put my kids through that. You better want to put 
put your kids through those things. You better want your kids to see the value of what it means to live for Christ. Because if you don't, they will live for the world. They will go out and serve the world. If you raise them worldly, they'll be worldly. <coughs> Give it all up. Give it all up. It's a call. You said, Bill, you're too fired up this morning. This is it, friends. This is the gospel. Come and receive. Come and drink. Come and dine. Come, come. And the Spirit says come. And the bride say come. And let everyone come who will come. Come and drink of the water of life freely. Freely. Just give it all up. There's no three-step process to a cure for a divided heart. I don't have a special magical prayer for you to pray. I don't have a prayer legion that will just cure your divided heart. You want to know what the cure is? The cure is full surrender. Full surrender to Christ. It's, a, it's found in Romans 12. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove to whom? To everyone. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God as we stand to our feet this morning? I gave you everything I could give. But the question remains, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me more than anything else? As we bow our heads this morning and begin to look into our own hearts, not your wife's heart, not your husband's heart, not your kid's hearts, your heart. As you begin to look into your own hearts, I, I, I just make a plea to you. Do you love me? If there's any doubt this morning, if you looked in your heart and you see any divided heart in yourself, you need to be at this altar. You need to be here this morning. If you're lost and you've and you and you're living and wandering around in sin, you need to be at this altar this morning asking God for mercy. Ask God to come and save you. Don't have a divided heart. Come. Give it all away. Trust in the only one who has the power to save. Oh, it's hard. I know it's hard. It's not easy to confess. It's not easy to, to say, Lord, it's me. But if you've got a divided heart, this is the place. This is the place for you this morning. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. <coughs> Let go of it. It means nothing. The whole world could love you. But the question is, do you love Christ? That's what matters this morning. Anybody else need to come pray this morning? If not, we'll go together in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for your grace and mercy, Lord. We thank you, Lord, this morning, God, that we have forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus, God. Lord, we thank you this morning, God, that we don't have to work this morning to be forgiven but God we know this morning that the desire should be for us to work because we've been forgiven Lord. and Lord we get slothful we get lazy we get sleepy God and we get distracted but God I pray this morning Lord that every person that's come to this altar would commit their heart this morning to removing distractions God 
that they would throw it all away, God, that they'd let go, God, of anything in the world that they're clinging to, God. And it takes your strength for us to do that, God. We're so easily swayed and so easily tempted, but God, that we could let go of any worldly thing, Lord, and that we would go all in to serve you, God, that we'd give it all up, Lord, this morning and serve you with our whole heart, God. Lord, we know the greatest commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart. Help us to do that this morning, God. Forgive us where we've not done it, Lord. And strengthen us, God, to do it from henceforth. God, if there's anybody that's lost, God, in this place today, Lord, any lost soul, anyone who in here who's unsure of their salvation, anyone in here this morning, God, who is on the fence, or anyone in here today who's who who wants, who feels that that tug, God, who feels the Spirit revealing their sin to them and knows they need a Savior, God, I pray today that they would believe in you by faith and that they would that they would receive salvation, a new heart. I will put into you. A new spirit I will give unto you. I'll take out the heart of stone and put a heart of flesh. God, I pray that if there's any here today who right now are believing on your name for the first time, God, that you would regenerate them and make them born again, God. And that it would be so real to them, Lord. And that their life would never be the same, God, that they'd be forever transformed. God, I pray for those that aren't here today who one at one time in their life came to an altar like this one or maybe even this one, Lord, and said that they give their life to you, but, Lord, the evidence has showed that they didn't. God, I pray for them today, God. I pray that whether they're on the lake or whether they're in their yard or whether they're in their house watching TV, that, Lord, as we pray this morning, that they would be convicted again of their sinfulness, Lord, that they would be convicted of their slothfulness, that they be convicted, God, of their transgressions against you, God, and that they might come to see the truth <coughs> that they need a Savior this morning, God. Lord, I pray, God, that as the people drive by the church, as they park in the parking lot, as they read the sign, God, as they see us out and about, Lord, that our lights would shine in such a way, God, that they would be convicted of sin, God. God, reveal to us the work that we should be doing for your kingdom and help us to do it, God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Unite us together in love. Remove any division from us, God, I pray, or anything that would come to hinder, God, the purpose and work of this church. Remove it from our midst, I pray, God. And Lord, help us, God, to serve you with all of our heart. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.